listening to I Might Be Wrong, a podcast hosted by myself, Rich Needham, and my co-host, Henry Salmon. Welcome, you lovely people. You're listening to I Might Be Wrong. I'm Rich, and with me is Henry. Hello, Rich. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you, sir? Yeah, I'm, I'm great. We're doing a morning recording, which is a bit weird. It is odd. But kind of cool. Uh, up with the sparrows, almost. Well, not that early. <laughs> not that early. My trusty <laughs> pint of squash, <laughs> replacing the alcohol that normally goes with the recording. Yeah, I very, very briefly considered whether I should have a uh, breakfast stout with with recording, Ooh. and very rapidly rejected the notion as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Give it half an hour, and then it'll be midday, and then you can just crack on. So it's your turn. It's your pick this week. And when we were discussing this, you said you had a very clear idea of the artist you wanted to bring to the party, but you were still into minds about the album. And actually, when I looked at the artist back catalogue, there's a huge amount of stuff in here. So tell us who you've picked and talk us through your how you've narrowed down to one album decision making. Right. So I've gone with a right old marmite band for some but for me it's the happy kind of marmite i've gone for the decemberists and the album i picked is picaresque okay cool Uh, and let's just get this out of the way right at the start because some people might not know who the decemberists are and i'll if if i introduce them first with the negatives (laughs) then that might set the scene a bit so the decemberists they're a band from portland and oregon which says an awful lot about all the things that you need to know (laughs) <laughs> before you even listen to any of their work yeah it, it does start to set the scene so their lead singer colin Melloy, is uh he's been compared to a donkey with his voice he's got quite a kind of nasally delivery that's a negative i guess for some people another one people talk about the decemberists as being kind of musical theater which i think might start to put people off and the one that really gets me every time is the way that they keep talking about having loads of audience participation in their live sets, especially like with their encores. And that to me makes me a little bit kind of sick in my mouth. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you kind of think, what is this? It seems like a bit of a bonkers band. And they are a bit bonkers. But I think that Picaresque in particular um, and a couple of their other albums are brilliant examples of totally escapist folk pop, I guess. So that's why I brought them to the table. Yeah, and I think that's a reasonably fair assessment of them. And calling them a Marmite band is absolutely the right thing because you said Decemberists to me when we were discussing this and I went, oh yeah, I like the Decemberists. And then I went and listened to Picaresque and the first time around I went, this is rubbish. And then the second time (laughs) around I went, oh no, 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 it's fine. And then the third time around I was like, oh no, no, I like this, it's fine. And they... On the surface, they can seem very, very pretentious. And like you say, he's got a bit of a... It's not an easy listening voice. But I'm thinking of artists like Radiohead with Tom York and Bob Dylan, who definitely have voices you wouldn't consider to be usual classic top-end elite singing voices, but are still very engaging. Yeah, and they can be really engaging in in their music and their lyrical style as well so Mm -hmm. they've they've developed this kind of slightly weird folk kind of fairy tale style which is odd and Malloy said in an interview that um it came out from 
some of his earlier work where he was playing to empty bars and he ended up singing to to no one and to a point where he started just making stuff up because it was just him and the barkeeper so there's a quote saying um when I was in that position with nobody to appeal or scare away I thought I might as well do whatever I want to do and just started creating this slightly fantastical music I mean this guy sings about vengeful mariners trapped in the belly of a whale and child monarchs and kind of lost loves during the war and all this kind of weird stuff it's kind of bonkers and that will really put people off but for me it didn't but it also harks back to things like irish folk music where it was very storytelling and myths and legends and all that kind of stuff and it has an irish folk feel to it in places and you talk about seafaring tales it's sea shanties it's not quite that, but there's definitely elements of that in there. And that's actually becoming weirdly popular at the moment with t- the TikTok generation. <laughs> so that's actually partly why I thought I'd bring this one up, because I listened to that, um, what is it, the Wellerman one that's mm-hmm. floating around uh, that's went to number one in the UK charts. And I thought, you know what, the Decemberists do this, well, they kind of do a similar kind of vibe. And you're right, it's kind of Irish folk and English folk and... Yeah, it's bonkers. So I, f- I first found this album back in 2005 when it was released. And I was going on a um, a trip. It was a train journey down to Exmoor in the southwest of England from university. And I put this on. And so the title of this album, Picaresque, is effectively, I guess it translates as what? Picaresque is a story about a person going through various travels and... You know, an appealing rogue, I guess, is is the way you put it. It can also translate as a a character's travels from place to place, and, and it's almost more about the journey than the destination. Mm-hmm. So I downloaded it without knowing anything about it, and popped on hit play. And the first song on the album is is the Infanza, which is about this child monarch, and the opening line of here she comes on her palanquin with these drums going in the background and it's like what the hell is this weird (laughs) stuff and then it goes through key changes and the album kind of for me it just completely sucked me in i think for some people sitting at their desks on a on a nine to five boring work day will just listen to this and think what is this shit that's the thing about this album that i think will prevent people from loving it is the fact that you have to pay attention to it and it demands your attention which means you can't just put it on in the background while you're working no no you can't because you'll you'll come across random verses and lines which just won't make any sense because he's off talking about i don't know some some russian spy or something (laughs) right the only note i've got for this whole episode is sons and daughters on the other album that we were going to talk about which is the crane wife i can imagine that's the only pop song ever released that has the word dirigible in it <laughs> yeah, yeah i know I, yeah uh, it talks about dirigibles and and i, and I love that um our tracks untraceable it, it's, it's it's mad another quote from Meloy when he talks about his audience he was saying, I look at the people in the first 10 rows and they all look kind of pale and bespectacled. I honestly look out every night and think I could be friends with every single one of them. And there you go. He's looking at your bookish geeks, I guess. Yeah. As your audience. A hundred percent. And I don't think there's anything wrong with understanding your audience and writing music that you personally love over 
writing for the general population. There's plenty of music out there. There's plenty of pop that's aimed at the general population. It's great to have bands that are aimed at people who have different interests. Yeah, and so it is slightly geeky lyrically, but also musically. I mean, they've got hurdy-gurdies and theremins and all sorts of weird folk instruments, which are just... You don't see them very often, and when you look at the band, I won't list the rest of the band because there are quite a few of them, but if you look at the instruments they play, it's just this massive long list of pick all sorts of weird stuff, like, I don't know, your classic folk instruments, and they all play everything. Yeah, and there's a lot of leaning on wind instruments and particularly brass in the music. It's not something that's an extra it's wound into the fabric and it's guitars and pianos and horns and things like that that sort of carry all of that melody through most of their music. Yeah, and this album in particular, they, they recorded it in a in a former church and because the, the songs are so weird, they actually put different ideas into a hat to think of what they would record <laughs> and what they would play. So they were almost, to try and work out their types of songs that they'd do, they were just winging it. And so... I don't know. I completely got caught up in this when it was released. And uh, it built on their previous albums. So they, before Picaresque, they released Castaways and Cutouts and Her Majesty the Decemberists, mm-hmm. which are two almost kind of proto-albums. They start with this slightly weird style. And then not as good. They're not as strong. They've got some brilliant songs which are totally weird uh like the gymnast high above the the, gra- the ground which is a song about a, a traveling circus um and it's brilliant and, and takes it lasts for ages okay question then in that case did you find them prior to picaresque so did you already know them and how how did you find them in the first place no i think i was just randomly trawling for music and it was one of those, I need a new album to listen to. I'm on a, going on a journey, found this album, uh, and that's how I got into it. And I was completely hooked. And it does transport you to this kind of, this other world, which I, I quite enjoy. And and as you say, if you're listening to this and you're not paying attention, you're probably not going to get it. Yeah. So you've talked about a couple of tracks, but there are probably specific tracks on here that you want to talk about. There are a couple that I'm hoping you'll bring up, and I will if if you don't. Where, yeah. where should people start if they want to think about getting into the Decemberists? Um, if they haven't already switched off. Switched off, yeah. <laughs> so I would start at the start of Picaresque with the Infanta, which mentioned it. Mm-hmm. And the, the next song, We Both Go Down Together, is quite lovely. It's about this pair of star-crossed lovers, I guess. This guy who's wealthy and falls in love with a poor girl and they end up deciding to jump off the white cliffs of Dover. There's a lovely line saying, we fall but our souls are flying in this kind of wonderful end to both their lives, uh, which I thought was quite cool. Those two songs really just grabbed me when I started listening to the album. Later on, there's... I mentioned it before, a song called The Bagman's Gambit, which is about mm-hmm. this guy who has an affair with this girl and turns out she's a, a spy. There's wonderful lyrics like, for a tryst in the greenery, I gave you documents and microfilm. <laughs> it's totally bonkers. <laughs> um, but uh, it just brings up this this brilliant wartime Cold War-y life of, of this couple who end up drifting apart. It is, it's a really pretty track as well. Yeah. And they do this well. They're, they're very musical. Um, they will create lots of um, 
sonically really lush sounds, which I like. Halfway through the album, it goes a bit weird. They've got this song called 16 Military Wives, which seems a bit out of place almost. It talks about America a lot, Mm -hmm. but doesn't quite fit in with the kind of weird folksy side of things. And I'm not quite sure how, how it ever got there. I'm not sure it needs to be at that point in the album. And actually, in later albums, you kind of feel like it would fit in better. Okay. I don't know if you have heard it. This is one of the tracks I was hoping you'd bring up because it's probably my favourite track on the album because maybe because it's a bit more upbeat. It's certainly one of the ones that grabbed me early on. And I disagree that it doesn't fit stylistically. It's a more upbeat folk, but there's still plenty of folksy things going on in there. It's just less less introspective and thoughtful than some of the others i mean not not thoughtful but it's less introspective and quiet than a lot of the rest of the album yeah but i like it it's a nice peak yeah it's very accessible yeah better for my simple brain well yeah and then the album goes on and and i've got to mention the mariner's revenge song which is it's absolutely bonkers and this is one which again people will really really hate or quite enjoy it's nine minutes of singing about this guy who uh, this guy's mother ends up single and she ends up meeting this guy who's a a gambler and a rogue and she falls in love with him but he wastes all her money they lose their house they're poor and destitute and he ends up by complete coincidence bumping into this guy in the belly of a whale and there's this weird weird line it's about the whale it's ribs are ceiling beams it's guts are carpeting i guess we have some time to kill and it's all about this guy who's out for revenge to uh avenge this guy who messed his mother up totally bonkers <laughs> most people will skip it but it, it, i've got to talk about it because it's just it's mad yeah and i, I want to cover the last track on the album which is of angels and angles just because it's got a great title great title and, and it's a lovely acoustic gentle way to finish the album so yes yeah i mean that's that's picaresque in a nutshell it's crazy and i enjoy it very much and i do go back to it a lot the other album that we were going to potentially talk about which i'll I'll gloss over really really quickly is the crane wife which is the follow-up to that which was released a year later and this is a lovely album it's got some amazing songs the crane wife itself it's quite a cool story i hadn't come across it before but it's a japanese folk tale it's about a, a guy who finds an injured crane on his doorstep and he nurses it back to health, releases the crane, and then the next day a woman appears on his doorstep and he falls in love with her and marries her. They're broke and he needs money and this woman ends up weaving amazing clothes out of silk and selling them. And she says, I'll keep doing this, but you're not allowed to see what I'm doing. I'm behind a shut door. So she keeps on creating these amazing garments and he makes her work harder and harder and harder. She's making more and more money. She gets sicker and sicker during this time. And he eventually looks in to find out what she's doing to make this amazing clothing. And he finds that the woman is actually back as a crane, plucking her own feathers to create these garments. Um, And when he finds this, the crane flies away and the woman's gone. So this kind of slightly bonkers Japanese story, but a lovely album. And The Crane Wife 3, which is the first song, Mm-hmm. And also the Crane Wife one and two, which is a song right at the back of the album. I have no idea why they've done right. it like that. That sort of sums them up as a kind of contrarian 
oddity band is that like why would you have one and two as almost the last song but three opening the album i have no idea but they're but they're really lovely songs if you like this kind of acoustic style i just really really recommend them and actually another song on that album that you mentioned was sons and daughters which Mm -hmm. is this super uplifting song which ends up in a round so all the singers start singing in a round and then it goes into a chorus um and it's a great song so i don't know i don't know where to go with the decemberists i don't know whether people will <laughs> think they're they're awesome I, I i would expect a lot of people won't but they've made it big i mean they've won they've won awards i think they've been nominated for grammys they're no small fry i do want to bring back to one more track on the crane wife which is over Lencia, which is a beautiful wonderful track yes and again it's uh i think it's one of their most popular songs it is more pop, yeah. I guess. Absolutely. All right. So, what about the rest of the back catalogue? Are, are there are there a band that you've stuck with a lot over the years, or have you just dipped in and out? They moved away from the kind of weird folk fairy tale stuff after the Hazards of Love a bit, and started to try and sing about more, I guess, more mainstream stuff. They they also their sound evolved and went a lot more robust okay. so they ditched a lot of the real folky instruments and i kind of was weaned off it at that point because it just felt a little bit like they were becoming more normal and i quite like the fact that they were weird before so the hazards of love is good but i think it's too long the king is dead is okay but they did release an album in 2015 called what a terrible world what a beautiful world mm-hmm. and there are some great songs on there and there's a song at the very end called The Beginning Song. And that is a, an absolute pop masterpiece. I I defy anyone to listen to that song um, and not feel kind of <laughs> energized and pumped at the end of listening to that. I had a bit of a listen to this album when it came out. And I remember Philomena being a track that had particularly caught my attention. Yeah. And, and this is the thing. There, there are lots of... Uh, there are lots of good tracks floating around but there's also a lot of i don't know i don't want to call it filler but it's again <laughs> that kind of marmite style where and, and i i bet you actually that if you go through this album or all these albums that their whole back catalog and you go to a group of decemberist fans at a concert there'll be people picking out all sorts of random songs whereas most of the bands that we talk about you go to a feeder concert and everyone will go, oh yeah, Buck Rogers, let's hope they play that at the end. But I have a funny feeling that with these guys, because they're so quirky, they attract quirky people who will just have different ideas of what a good song sounds like. Yeah, that's fair. So yeah, uh, and then they've released an album recently, which passed me by called I'll Be Your Girl. I listened to it, didn't really like it. <laughs> I mean, it's got tracks on it, like Everything Is Awful, Sucker's Prayer and We All Die Young. <laughs> doesn't necessarily make me want to listen to it uh i don't know i i I tried i tried getting into it and and just didn't there was a single called severed that came out which um Mm -hmm. passed me by so no i think as a recommendation if you want slightly wacky folk go back to the crane wife and picaresque which are two genuinely brilliant albums yeah for me i think of the decemberists as your band rather than my (laughs) band I enjoyed their stuff, but I've never gone back and obsessively listened to many of their albums. But if someone asked me to sum you up with five bands in terms of your musical taste, 
bands like the Decemberists, Ockerville River, the Shins, the New Pornographers, there'd definitely be one or two of them in there, and the Decemberists would almost certainly be one of those bands. Yeah. If anyone listening knows of a band called Neutral Milk Hotel. <laughs> yeah. Neutral Milk Hotel have been this kind of, they're this weird, they released one album, it's this one guy. They became some kind of almost mythical folklore band where everyone was like, oh my God, we were influenced by that that album and it's incredible. Yeah. It's a similar kind of, you'll see lots of bands, I think Snow Patrol and a load of others were saying, oh, this band is the one that was, they influenced me. But no one really knows them and it's a little bit geeky. And I'd, I'd put the Decemberists into that bucket. I remember listening to that Neutral Milk Hotel album, would have been 98? I don't even know when it came out. Must have been mid to late 90s. I'm going to look it up. Yeah. Yeah, it was It was in 98. In the aeroplane over the sea, if people haven't listened to it, it's, it's a good call, actually, in terms of the Decemberist sound, because... I mean, I haven't listened to this for probably two decades, but I do remember it having that level of weird storytelling quirk that the Decemberists definitely have. Yeah, some people weirdly say that you really shouldn't compare the two, but I am, because <laughs> because I think they are similar. Yeah. This album actually is an absolute stonker, just to just to call it out. Um, listen to The King of Carrot Flowers Part 1, which is the first song on the album. Absolutely weird. Um, but just one of the most beautiful pieces of music I've, I think, is has ever been written. Lovely way of writing a song. Yeah, for me, Holland, nineteen forty-five on here, just brilliant, amazing song. So yeah, yeah. slight divergence into another amazing and weird <laughs> album, but we probably won't cover Neutral Milk Hotel again. So it's worth calling it. Yeah, that's fair. Did you find Neutral Milk Hotel before the Decemberists, or were they one that you ended up going back to? I found Neutral Milk Hotel after the De- Decemberists, probably in about 2010. I was at okay. 30,000 feet over the Atlantic on an American Airlines flight and their random music playlist, I think it was their folk playlist, <laughs> brought up the song in the, in the airplane over the sea. So randomly I was kind of hooked into it because that's exactly where I was. <laughs> Brilliant. I love that. I love that level of coincidence where clearly someone has gone, oh, that's a great name for a track. I'll put it on there without really listening to the lyrics. Yeah. And, and so I was in the airplane over the sea listening to in the airplane over the sea and thought it was great and listened to the album. Nice. So if the Decemberists led you into other things or are they more one of those bands on your journey through that kind of style? Um no, they haven't really led me anywhere just because I knew about all the, you know, the folk rock scene um, anyway. Uh, so, no, I don't think so. I think they just, that just one album appeared at a very timely part of my life where, yeah, it just, it, it just clicked really nicely. I'm sure I bumped into things like, or artists like Ockerville River, as you say, and, and maybe The Shins at the same time, um, just because the music's pretty closely associated. So, yeah. But, no, didn't really lead me anywhere. And how and about you, live? Have you I seen them live? I was going to say, before you ask, no. And <laughs> and part of me actually doesn't mind that. I don't know. The audience participation bit just scares me a little bit. <laughs> you can stand at the back. It's fine. I don't think yeah. they'll specifically call on you. Yeah, but I do like the idea of watching all of the instrumental stuff. I guess a band that we, who we haven't talked about yet, Shearwater are also another band that do some some slightly weird instrumental stuff on stage and I think we need to talk about them at some point. I, I'm scared, Henry. 
I love sheer water too much. I don't want to screw that one up. <laughs> no, I know. Me too. Me too. So that's, a, yeah. Sometime we will cover sheer water. Uh, but yeah, so no, I haven't seen them live. Uh, have you? Uh, I haven't, but I have an entertaining story that might illustrate the cult famousness of the Decemberists, which is... Have you ever watched Parks and Recreation, the TV series? Yes, I know what you're talking about, yeah. Okay. So in Parks and Recreation, which anyone who hasn't watched it should watch it. If you watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine and you love that and you've never heard of Parks and Recreation, it's the same people, go and watch it. Uh, First series is a bit crap, but after that it gets good. Not crap, just not great. They have an episode where they put on a concert for reasons I can't be bothered to go into. And one of the band that plays is the Decemberists. Awesome. So they're famous enough to get on a fictional concerts lineup in a fairly well-known cult-famous sitcom, I guess. Yeah, uh, yeah. And that's exactly where I'd expect them to crop up, actually. The musical references on Parks and Rec are brilliant. So they have one of the characters is obsessed with Letters for Cleo, if you remember them. Yeah, yeah, there's, yeah I remember Letters for Cleo. Jeez. There's all sorts of very... I mean, like the Decemberists, verbose, obtuse, indie folk rock bands that you'd associate with Canada or Portland. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> and back to your opening comment. Yeah, they are definitely a Portland band, aren't they? Yeah, absolutely. And that's fine. I mean, a lot of people won't like them because of that. But I think someone who might get into this sound but that hasn't heard of them, wouldn't end up loving them. And if if two people listen to this podcast that have never heard of the Decemberists and get into them, then I think we've done our job. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, the Decemberists, check them out and then switch off very quickly if you don't like the slightly weird sound. Absolutely. Cool. Thanks for bringing that one, mate. It's been, been fun to have a chat through them. I know they're a, a band that's very close to your heart. Yeah, they are. And they will continue to be. So if no one else likes them, I will carry on listening to them. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you can come and talk to us about the Decemberists. We are on pretty much all the social medias apart from TikTok and the right-wing American nonsense ones, as I might be wrong UK. So yeah, come and let us know your thoughts on the matter. Particularly, I'm assuming Neil will have some some thoughts on the Decemberists. Some cho- choice words. He won't <laughs> like the drumming on the Infanta. That will piss him off. <laughs> Hopefully. Cool. All right. Thanks for joining us, everyone. We will see you next week. Cool. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of I Might Be Wrong.